Real quick before I start the show today, I wanted to let you know that I now have a YouTube channel and I'm going to have new episodes of the show up on the channel as well as some short little clips here and there. You can find that at fairlyimportant.com slash YouTube or you can just go to YouTube and type in the words fairly important. I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. I wanted to start off today with a reading from Matthew 5, 43 through 48. This is Jesus speaking, and he says the following. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, that's kind of a high bar. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Travis Rusco, and this is a fairly important podcast, episode 49. And I wanted to talk for a little bit today about loving your enemies. And, you know, as Christ says here in this passage, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You know, my hope is that you have people in your life that are easy to love. We we all want that. We all want to be loved. Even people who say they don't want to, they're just kind of jaded because maybe they don't feel loved. But I hope that isn't your situation. I hope that you are surrounded by people who love you, who you can love back. And look, it's, it's going to be different for everybody. For instance, it might be a piece of cake for one person to love their spouse, while another might be suffering through a really hard marriage. There's people that have deep friendships with their next door neighbors. And then there's others who can't seem to build their fence high enough to, uh, you know, kind of shut out the crazies. Or maybe you talk to your kids every single day while someone you know hasn't heard from theirs in years. I hope you have people around you who love you, but I know that's going to look different for everybody. We need that. We need that human connection. We need relationships. But again, as Christ says, it's easy to love people who love you. But loving your enemies is a whole different story. And since it doesn't come naturally, at least I know it doesn't come naturally to me, I want to dig into this for a little bit today and give you some tips that I'm also going to be trying to put into practice in my own life to love those unlovable people. So I think it's human nature 
it's within our sin nature that it is not so easy to love your enemies. And on this show, I talk about issues that are happening in our nation and happening around the world that point to our continued slide away from God and away from objective morality. And in that process, I sometimes end up talking about individuals. Maybe it's an individual politician or a political party or an organization that stands for something or that is pushing an agenda that is evil. I don't know how else to say it. And maybe you've heard some of my rants over the years, and maybe you're thinking about specific issues or specific people I've talked about in the past that are pushing those issues. And you might be thinking, yeah, it's probably hard for him to love so-and-so. And I'll be honest, there's, there's times when a story breaks in the news and my humanity gets the best of me. And as I pour over an article, I'll find myself feeling contempt toward people who are pushing a certain agenda. And before long, if I'm not careful, I can feel hatred in my heart toward real human beings who, like me, were created in the image of God. And I try to justify it, but there isn't any justification for it because, again, my Lord said that I am supposed to love my enemy. Here's a few other words from Christ that also come out of Matthew 5. He says in verse 21 and 22, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Well, I don't know about you, but I read that, and I think those are some heavy statements that that God is uh, putting out there. And they really fly in the face of at least my natural inclination to feel hatred toward people. But that's how God operates. He calls on us to do things that don't come naturally. That is, they don't come naturally outside of the power of his Holy Spirit working within us. But again, I'm almost 50 episodes into the show. Most weeks, I talk about things that are happening in society that just make my blood boil. And in that process, there are going to be people out there that either literally are my enemies or that I can start finding myself viewing as my enemies. Christ said that we're going to face persecution in this world. And you're normally not persecuted by people who aren't your enemies. So even if I don't want to have enemies, I'm going to have enemies because there are going to be people out there who persecute me for the things that I believe as a Christian. So here is uh, my question to you and maybe the question that you're asking yourself right now. If I'm supposed to love my enemies, how am I supposed to go about doing this? And I could probably share 
any number of ways that a person should try to demonstrate a spirit of love toward the people they consider to be their enemies. But today, I'm just going to do four for you because the podcast can only be so long. So let's get into this. The first thing that you should do, and this might be tough to do if you don't consider yourself a, a praying person, or maybe maybe you're not even a believer. Maybe you don't believe in God, but um, I'm going to throw this out there anyway as somebody who does believe in God and somebody who believes in the God of the Bible as being the one true God. But I'm going to encourage you, if you're trying to love your enemies— and it's not going to come easy at first, but I'm going to encourage you to pray for them. Now, you've probably heard of the phrase, work harder, not smarter. Wait, no, I'm an idiot. You've probably heard of the phrase, work smarter, not harder. Well, I'm of the belief that prayer does the work of God. But when it comes to a lot of the things that we should be committing to prayer— we often choose to just spin our wheels and keep doing the thing that we've been doing all along because we like to think we have the answers, even when we plainly don't. And we'd rather keep putting in the work of trying to fix something with the same results rather than, you know, just seeing if God could fix it. The reason I'm telling you to pray for your enemies is because that's what Jesus told us to do. Christ told his followers to pray for those who persecute you. And in my humanity, I know that I just want to respond to that like, but hey, they uh, they hate me. They literally hate the fact that I'm currently inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. That simple act that I am committing is something they hate. And you might kind of feel that way, too, when you hear this, um, you know, this this command coming from Christ to pray for the people that persecute you. You might be thinking, God, you don't get it. They are a lost cause. I could go through a laundry list of things that would have to change about this person, 10 of which I think I'm going to have to personally change before things could ever be set right. And you might be thinking that, and I might be thinking that about the people who are my enemies. And yet Christ just says, pray. Like I said, I believe God works through prayer, but I often find myself dedicating way less time to prayer than a guy would if he actually believed that God worked through prayer. Because, you know, I have things I have to do. And there's a lot of times where it's not even a matter of me having things to do. It's just me not having the right priorities in my life. But busyness does get in the way, and it can make me feel like there's not enough time to pray. But if prayer really is an effective tool, and if we should be praying for our enemies, then we should probably commit some time to it. And if you're struggling to find time in your day to pray for the people that you really don't want to pray for, if you're going to be honest with yourself if I'm going to be honest with myself, if you're struggling to find that time, here's an interesting quote from Martin Luther. And I think the context behind this quote is 
somebody was asking him about his plans for the day or for the week ahead or whatever. And he was talking about how busy he was. And he said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. You know, if I wake up late, which I do a lot because I work from home and I'm my own boss and I do a terrible job of getting out of bed in the morning. If I wake up late, I'll always have time to get my coffee in my system. And I aim to be in the word of God every morning, though there's mornings where it doesn't happen. But depending on when I wake up in the day and the things that I have to do with my day, that time in God's word and then right after that, that time that I spend in prayer can be really abbreviated. I can really squeeze it down because after all, I'm really busy. And yet here, you've got Martin Luther saying, yeah, I've got so much to do. I've got to spend like three hours in prayer, just praying to God for the strength to do it, for wisdom, for whatever it is that a guy prays for, for three hours. Because he got it, he understood that whether we're facing a busy day, whether we're dealing with an enemy who seems like they're never going to change, we need to pray. Because the things that are happening in our lives and also that intimate communion that we can have with the God of the universe through prayer, it's all too important not to. So pray for them. Pray for your enemies. But what do you even pray? Well, you can pray for them to have a change of heart. You can pray for them to come to faith in Christ. You can pray for God to work within that person and to turn them around by whatever means necessary. Those are some of the things that you could pray when you're praying for your enemies. You can pray for God's blessing on them. Maybe this person doesn't even believe in God. Maybe they're, you look at them and you think, well, you're a godless animal. <laughs> pray for God's blessing on their life. Pray for their safety. Pray that God would grant them wisdom. If you want to know what should I pray when I'm praying for my enemy, think about the things that you would pray for your best friend or your spouse or your parents or your kids. And before you know it, you won't be struggling with what you should pray about. So the first thing when it comes to loving your enemies, pray for them. Second, and I'm going to warn you right now, this second part, probably even harder than praying for your enemy. Second, examine your heart toward them. Because when someone's our enemy, you can just pull out a list of reasons to hate them. And a lot of the things on that list might be valid. I'm not saying that they are valid reasons to hate somebody, but a lot of those things on that list might be valid examples of what this person has done wrong. When I think of the people who I would consider my enemies, I think of the men and women running Planned Parenthood. And the laundry list of reasons why I should feel justified in hating those people seems kind of endless. They profit off murdering babies that, keep in mind, God created 
in his image. And they, they profit off of that every day with thousands of dead babies in America alone. And in my years, being somebody who's cared about the unborn, who's cared about the sanctity of life, I've seen pictures of some of those babies after Planned Parenthood has done what they do to them. I've watched videos where former abortionists describe the procedure while detailed animations play, showing everything that happens depending on the trimester, leaving nothing to the imagination. I've seen numerous examples of abortionists mocking pro-life people and mocking the babies they kill. Here's one example, by the way. Because let's just really kind of let's just really kind of drive this home because I want us to be thinking about and you know maybe maybe you're pro abortion, I don't know. But I want us to be thinking as we are considering how can we go about loving our enemies. I want us to really think about people that we would look at and say you're my enemy. I am against you. You are against me. So I mentioned just examples of abortionists and people in that industry mocking pro-lifers, mocking the babies they kill. And I'll play this. This is like a, a minute long because I want you to think about your heart toward this person. I want to think about my heart toward this person. This video is from a few years back. It's on YouTube. There's a pro-life guy, a Christian guy. He's outside of a women's clinic. And I don't know what all transpires before this video, but an abortionist named Dr. Robert J. Santella walks out of the clinic and just gets right up in this guy's face. And um, he almost sounds demon-possessed. Just listen to this for one minute and um, examine your heart toward this guy, toward this abortionist. I pray, sir, you got to repent, sir. You got to repent, sir, for murdering babies. Why? Because it's a sin before God. Why? Wow. Stinky breath. Yeah, Why? that's pretty That's pretty evil of you, sir. Yeah, I am. And, and I hope and pray that you... Yeah. Well, that's what you do to babies, huh? Yeah, I love it. You love it, huh? Yeah, I do. Okay, I hope that you come to Christ, sir. Oh, I never go to Christ. I hope that you come to Christ. No, sir. I don't go to Christ. Yeah, you. I you, don't listen to Christ. You, you will have a darkened heart, sir. I do have a darkened yeah. heart. Yeah. You have a darkened heart. I do. I do very, very much. And so. you will stand yeah. before God in judgment. Yes, day I will. Day. Every day. You will stand before God in judgment. Yes, day I will. Day. Every day. All of the babies that I you have killed. I love it. I love it. Yeah, keep tearing the babies. Yeah, apart. I will. Keep tearing the babies. I apart. will. Keep keep tearing the babies what? apart. Oh. Yeah, sir. The babies, their blood screams from the ground. Their blood screams from the crown. You are a murderer, sir. You are a murderer. So I might just um, link that video in the show notes for you to, I don't know, take a look at it later if, um, if that's your thing. But in my humanity, and again, if you hate abortion like I do, maybe you're feeling the same way. But in my humanity, I have what I would consider a number of reasons to hate Dr. Santella. 
here he is. He's in this guy's face. He's growling at him. He's, I don't know, doing like this golem voice. He's breathing his coffee breath on him. And he's mocking Christ. And he's mocking the children that he kills. Every day, he kills children. Examine your heart. How's your heart feel right now thinking about that abortionist? In my humanity, I have every reason to hate him. But I still can't shake this call from my Savior to both love my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me. So I have to be honest about my own emotions towards my enemies. I can hate what they do. I can speak against their evil actions. I can do so strongly, but I can't hate them. And if I find myself hating them, I need to pray for them. But I need to be honest and I need to say, God, will you continue to reveal my heart to me? Will you point out what I need to change about me as it relates to this person. Quite honestly, I need to repent of my hatred toward them. So again, the second tip when it comes to um, loving your enemies, examine your heart toward them. Number three, look to Christ's example and forgive as Christ forgave you. Think about it. Did Christ wait for his enemies to turn themselves straight before he sacrificially gave his life for them? We know he didn't. Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we also know that all of us were his enemies because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. But he still died for his enemies, and that includes you. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life before he came to this earth born into poverty at a place and time in human history that was extremely uncomfortable. And even though he's your creator and the king of everything in existence, he stooped down low to offer you forgiveness while you were spitting in his face. And on the cross, while he was being mocked, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He could have jumped off the cross and in the blink of an eye called down a legion of angels to kill everyone. And he would have been completely justified in doing so. But instead, as his life was leaving him, as he was hanging there, humiliated on one of the most barbaric torture devices ever conceived by the human mind... He asked his Father in heaven to forgive what we would all call unforgivable. In Ephesians, Paul calls the Christian to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. 
That's Ephesians 4.32. Man, I don't know about you, but it is a lot easier to forgive people that you get along with. But maybe we need to look at Christ's example of forgiveness and offer it to some of the people that we really dislike. It might be really hard to to offer that forgiveness if, if you've never met that person, but you can still forgive them. Because it's not like it's okay to harbor hatred and unforgiveness towards someone if they're never going to meet you. If they're never going to know that you have hatred towards them or an unforgiving heart. And if you can forgive that person in person, it could be the beginning of a great change happening in their life and in their heart. Going back to the abortion example, I think of Abby Johnson. You may have heard of the um, the movie Unplanned. Abby worked for Planned Parenthood, but one day she ends up seeing the reality of the evil of abortion, the scales come off her eyes, and she left that world. But rather than turning her back on the people in that community, she started a ministry called And Then There Were None which seeks to bring people out of the abortion industry until there are no people in the abortion industry. It seeks to bring them out of that and also to show them the love of Jesus in the process. Talk about looking to Christ's example when it comes to loving your enemies. She didn't wait for these people to clean up their lives. She just started a ministry to approach them where they are, when they needed it most, and Many, many abortion workers have left the abortion industry since then. What would happen, think about it this way, what would happen if you displayed Christ's forgiveness to your enemies? Would your marriage turn around? Would your relationship with a wandering child change for the better? Would you possibly be reaching out to people entire organizations, entire groups of people who are wrapped up in all kinds of abominable practices, would you potentially be reaching out to those individuals and helping them see the light and the truth and the hope and the forgiveness in the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would happen if you displayed Christ's forgiveness to your enemies? So, tip three, look to Christ's example and forgive as Christ forgave you. And finally, number four, heap burning coals on their heads. Not literally, okay? That would be a weird way to end this. By the way, before I end this, I do want to remind you, a fairly important podcast is a listener-supported show you can support me over at fairlyimportant.com slash support. You can give a one-time gift. You can give a monthly gift. And that is going to allow me to continue to release this show on a weekly basis and grow it from here. So I would really appreciate that. But tip number four, heat burning coals on their heads. In Romans twelve twenty, we get a bit of an idea of how we can treat our enemies in a Christ-honoring way. It says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. When someone hates you, like really hates you, there isn't anything that throws them off more than responding to their hatred with love. And it can really mess with their head, which is kind of fun. But it's not like you do this to confuse them, to mess with their head. Rather, when you show your enemy love and kindness, you do two things. Number one, you show them the love of Christ. And that's something everyone needs regardless of what you think about them. But second, and and this is just as important, second, you give them an opportunity to repent. And maybe they never do, but they could. You know, this enemy of yours, and again, maybe it's an entire organization or group, maybe it's just one person, maybe it's somebody you're never going to meet, maybe it's somebody who used to be your closest friend, but this enemy, maybe they're already a believer and they simply need to ask for your forgiveness and for God's forgiveness and they need to turn themselves back around and back toward him. But it's also possible they've never come to faith. And showing people love when they don't deserve it can really convict their spirits and it can really open up opportunities to talk to them about the God who showed you love and forgiveness when you didn't deserve it. And I think that's something that's really important for us to remember in all of this, when it comes to loving our enemies. We need to remember all of the times that God has loved us when we were unlovable. And I know that at least as far as I go, there are countless examples from my own life where God loved me when I wasn't worthy of his love. In fact, I'm never worthy of God's love. I never have been worthy of God's love. I never will be worthy of God's love outside of Christ. But since I am in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old things have passed away. Everything's become new. And that God who I offended, that God who I was an enemy of, That God showed me grace and mercy and forgiveness that I didn't deserve and that I never could have earned. And maybe you can show that to your enemies today. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And I hope you stop by again real soon. God bless. Hey, I bet you thought I was gone, but I'm not, and apparently neither are you. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to do me a quick favor. Hit the subscribe or follow button in whatever podcast app you're using right now. 
I'll also ask you to review the show. If you do a written review, I might even read it on an upcoming episode. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, CastBox, Podcast Addict, or Podchaser, or at fairlyimportant.com slash love the podcast. Okay, I'm going to go for real now. You can go too.